When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Getting you through your workday one hour at a time. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Welcome in, folks. Gosh, what a weekend. What an absolute weekend. I'm pretty sure that old saying, square eyes, one is certainly bordering on octagonal, moving from circle to square. Watched so much TV this weekend, but I loved it. I loved it. Um, British Open golf, not a lot of ashes because of the rain. Of course, the FIFA Women's World Cup is just going from strength to strength and some great matches um, today. Uh, six o'clock, Italy, Argentina. Fantastic football nations, Germany, Morocco at 8.30 and 11 o'clock tonight, Brazil against Panama, that will have colour and razzle dazzle, that will Tour de France wrapped up Um, I'm hoping to talk to Corbin Strong who's just he lasted his whole first tour which is just incredible considering considering his youth and if you remember back to when I talked to Julian Dean on Friday he thinks he is a special rider and you, you learn a lot in three weeks in the saddle of... In fact, Jules has told me it's the second hardest bike race. Uh, Giro d'Italia or Tour de España. I can't remember which one he said was harder, but a lot hillier and a lot harder. But Tour de France is the most famous one. And Corbin Strong finished, I think, about 13th in the white jersey rankings. That's riders under 25. And I think Corbin's 21-22, so he's got another two or three years in that jersey. Right, um, so lots to talk about. Um, we won't take your calls initially like we do because uh, studio guests coming up very shortly. Uh, after one o'clock, we'll take your calls on the back of that. Between one and two, we'll talk to Theo Doropoulos, former cricketer, Seven News cricket reporter out of Australia. Disappointing finish to the fourth Ashes test with Manchester's very famous rain interrupting play. Um, sort of fizzled out, but Aussies have retained the Ashes, so they will take a big tick from that. And Mondays at 2 o'clock, Lewis, or is it Louis Brown, will put the end to that uh, dichotomy of what to call him. I always call him Sharky because that's his nickname, but Lewis or Louis, we'll find that out just after 2. Uh, of course, he played for the Warriors and the Panthers. I think he played for the Sharks, the Kiwis. Um, played for a daughter, I think Manly. Yeah, he's a bit of a journeyman. Um, but he absolutely loves the NRL and he joins us every Tuesday at 2 o'clock. And you do not want to miss the 2.45 cross with Jimmy Smith because our very own Sam Hewitt commentated the Warriors Canberra and Jimmy Smith for the Australian audience commentated Warriors Canberra. And I've secretly asked his producer, like the equal of Sam over in Australia, cut off the Sean Johnson drop goal and we'll compare the enthusiasm. I haven't heard Jimmy Smith's one yet. 
I've certainly heard Sammy. It's gone around the world. So that's at 2.45. But we're going to stick with the one New Zealand Warriors and Rugby League. And it is a great pleasure to have CEO Cam George with us. And Cam, look, you've earned a day off. It's bye week, but uh, you've chosen to come and have a chat with us. Yeah, why not? Uh, it's always good to come in and see you guys. Um, you know, you're big supporters of sport and uh, in particular rugby league and it's just great to be here talking all things uh, One New Zealand Warriors this week. Can you quite believe how well the club's going? Um, I, I think internally we, we had optimism, we, we had a plan, we had you know, a really good feel around the people that are, that are in the right positions. and um, But... That's all in theory to go and then put it into into play, and um, you know the footy teams just performed you know really really well, and the off field you know stuff with the staff and their planning and the way their fans have just reconnected with us and we've reconnected with the fans is just has been our whole um, you know goal this year. So to do it in the way that we're doing it is just outstanding, and we're, we're really proud as a footy club, but got a long way to go. Where you've come from a year ago today, it's chalk and cheese, Cam. Like, you can do all your planning, you can put all your chess pieces on the on the chessboard, but, man, um, are you pinching yourself that it's come so quickly? Um, yeah, look, I, I think when I cast my mind back 12 months, it, it, it just truly was rock bottom for us. Um, you know, um, we were in Redcliffe. Um, I was only talking to Stacey Jones about it the other day. You know, him and I were living in this house and we were just having problem after problem after problem and we were sort of getting closer to home and, and, and all that sort of thing. But, you know, we, we were just wishing for greater things and better things to come. But um, we, we, we certainly didn't think we'd be, you know... Um, be where we are now. Uh, we certainly knew that with Webby and a few other people and a few changes that were made and being home and all that sort of thing that we'd have remarkable improvement. But yeah. just to see the response from you know the club around a lot of changes that we have made um, on and off the field, yeah, if I, if I cast my mind back 12 months ago, I wouldn't have thought, honestly, we'd be in this position. But I, I knew we'd have a great improvement in us. Mm. I was um, talking to a mate on the weekend who said it f- almost feels like a cult at the moment with the fans, you know, like they're all back in droves and just the the, the um, passion in it is, is something like I've never seen before. And you used to always say that, you know, you're going to win people back by winning games. That was almost your number one thing. Is that what it feels like that just winning has led to that or do you think there's other things going on as well that have contributed to it? Yeah, I think winning breeds belief. Um you know, throughout the whole organisation. And, and what I've seen, um, once we started getting some really good results on the field, it had all the staff around the organisation starting to believe in, you know, who we stand for and what our identity is and so on. And the pressure this year um, and, and the plan this year was to really reconnect with our fan base. And to do that, we wanted to build an event around Rugby League. So every time you came through Mount Smart Stadium, the experience brought you back. You then became ambassadors for our footy club to go and grab your mates and bring them to the next game and mm. so on. And you would have seen that, um, if you've noticed, that we do a lot of ticket offers and so on. It ain't about the money this year for us. It was always about getting as many bums on seats as we possibly can. So winning helped that. Mm. But then when we got them there, we wanted to create this experience. And I, I feel like... Um, 
that winning is getting the people to the game, but the experience they're getting is getting those people back out into the in the community saying, you've got to come to a Warriors game. It, it is unbelievable. And the atmosphere that was there on um, on on Friday night, just gone, uh, where we, we eventually beat Canberra, um, was unbelievable. You know, we had 20-odd thousand people there, but they... Um, but they certainly uh, made it feel like there was 50-odd thousand people there. The excitement um, and so on was great. So whilst winning brings them there, the belief we've got in building an event around it has really made our fans you know, mm. enjoy it. The, um, the team song, the song from In The Sheds, which everyone's been seeing um, on a week-to-week basis because it gets posted all up on social media, but um, playing it out over the speakers and having basically... Twenty thousand people singing it at the same time was just electric. Who, where did that, where did that idea come from? Was that? Yeah, again within the office, um, the young staff and the game day staff, um, Simon Barrett, Jackson Baker, Glenn Harris, they put their heads around this. You know, we, we again, this has been the goal. Let's cr- be creative. Let's be innovative, and um, let's get stuff happening. And to do that, um, uh, I don't think we can not, not do it anymore. No. I think uh, it's something that the feedback we've got is unbelievable. And the, mm. the coverage it's generated, um, you know, I think the guys were certainly in there this morning already looking about how we can make that better and change it, that it, it's actually, you know, um, a go-to moment in our stadium uh, before or after the game for every fan to, you know, to be there to, you know, be a part of it. Mm. Talking to Cam George, CEO of the Warriors. Cam, the, the financials, like, I'm always amazed, like, you'll have a win and then you'll have a 24-hour sale, 10 bucks for your kids and 20 bucks for you. Um, is it sustainable? Like, are, are you touching black or are you still red each week? No, it's it's sustainable. It's the model. Like, so it it's like anything, um, you know, you look at shopping centres, the main purpose there is to get people in the doors and then, you know, everyone can enjoy the experience and the shopping, they'll come back and come back. It's We want 25,000 ambassadors leaving our stadium, going out and selling our game day experiences to everyone. So, um, you know, we're not, we're not going backwards, we're going forwards because what happens, those people uh, become fans, they become avid fans, their kids become avid fans. And our future looks really bright. So it steamrolls onwards and upwards in that regard, but then it flows onto other parts of our business. So commercially, uh, we've got corporates and sponsorship ringing up every day, Mm. looking for opportunities and so on because they've been there with their kids and they've experienced it. Now they want to bring their business. Um, Merchandise, you can't get it. Off the stores is sold out at the moment. (laughs) I was trying to get some more shirts. I I had a phone call from Australia the other day. They can't even get a home jumper in Australia. Wow. Um, and they're asking, can you know, have you got one in your cupboard you can get to as quickly, <laughs> and so on. So it all just feeds off each other. Um, so you can go after the top dollar and have fourteen thousand people there, or you could make it, you know, you can make it sustainable for your crowds to come all the time, and have twenty five thousand there and just be buzzing. And that's what we wanted. That was our plan. Um, and in second to that, but most importantly, we're strategically going after the next generation. We've yeah. really wanted to introduce them to the crowd and there's some great photos where you've got kids in old kit uh, turning up at the games. Uh, one of your staff here, her daughter's 15, 16 and her and her friends are just ringing me every Friday wanting to come to the games. <laughs> and that's great. Oh, yeah. That's what we want and that's what we want to look after our future and make them avid fans and that's what's happening. What kept you sticking in, Cam? Because you had a lot of crap thrown at you for a number of years. The team was going poos. Um, we had trouble in the playing ranks. 
uh, the media were after you. The, it just seemed like everyone was after you. How Martin did Devlin? <laughs> you can well, say well, his name on the again now. <laughs> how do you? How did you stay focused and shut all that noise out and keep believing in yourself? Well, it wasn't about me believing in me. It was well, you and, the, you and the organisation yeah, believing in what Robbo and I and 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 what we wanted to do. There were so many things that were just out of our control. It's like having a bet in a horse race. Once they jump, mm. you know, you don't know what can happen. You need good luck more so than good management. And and with the Warriors over the last few years, like the world was shut down and, and everyone was throwing, you know, not everyone, but a lot of people were throwing stones and mud and we're having a lot of problems and that on because we didn't have the right people in the organisation. Um, and that started... Um, Again, this year when we had to get a head coach uh, and the belief from him in the organisation, um, you know, started to make me feel like, you know, this is where we belong back home, obviously. But I just believed in everything we were trying to do, but we couldn't do because of COVID. So, yeah, there were some tough times in regards, you know, the personal nature of it, but that's the nature of the sport. And this is why I do it, because... You only have to walk down the street to see how many people are smiling. You're talking to you guys earlier, it makes your jobs easier with the chat and the fan base ringing <laughs> up and texting in and so on. That's why I do it. We're a New Zealand-owned team. You know, we, we want to do it for New Zealand, and we've got a long way to go. Uh, but the pieces are coming back together. Yeah, Rogers coming back, Chanel's coming back. That's because we're home. Um, that's because the club is their club, and they yeah. want to do it for the fans. And um, we're the people's club. And it's not about me but I believed in it so much that I wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. Talking to Cam George, we'll take a quick break. And on the other side, lots more things we want to get through with him. Stick around. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Welcome back in, Cam George sticking around with us. Cam, I wanted to talk to you about, might be touchy, uh, the relationship with Andrew Abdo because I remember last year I was doing sideline for one of the Warriors games and he was just going, we're going to do something for the Warriors. Um, the sacrifice they've made over the last few seasons, we saw all of those teams come out and I loved it with a circle around the team at the end of their games, thanking them for keeping the competition going alive. We haven't seen too much um, we haven't seen a magic round. We haven't heard anything about a state of right. We haven't heard anything about coming back our way. Was it lip service last year, or can you see something on the horizon? Well, there's nothing, is there? It, it's it's disappointing. Um, you know, the game had the opportunity to really enforce it upon a lot of clubs because of the World Cup that's currently on. A lot of stadiums were shut. We tried every angle uh, as a club to deal direct with clubs and so on. And the only thing that um, you know the NRL came up with for New Zealand was the All Stars game, and it should be here. Like, yeah. don't think you're some sort of hero because you <laughs> brought a New Zealand cultured team back to New Zealand to play in their country. Like, it's like you're not going to give New South Wales a state of origin. Yeah. You know, like it should be here. So it's all the additional content. Um, hugely disappointed that we didn't get more. You've only got to look at what's going on now. You've only got to look at what this environment and what this country does for the game of rugby league. And, you know, trying day and night to get more and more content here, sometimes it just falls on deaf ears. You know, I've spoken to them about Anzac Day, but Melbourne Storm seem to think that they own Anzac Day. 
Um, you know, I think it's appalling we don't have a game in New Zealand on Anzac Day. So hopefully next year that changes. You know, I've talked to uh, you know the NRL about a magic round for the NRLW. Let's give the NRLW their own market. No real response around that. Like this year, we could have had an NRLW magic round. How mm. cool would that have been for women's sport and New Zealand um, to have that here in this country and for the, the NRLW girls and players? Um, you know, there's so much they can do. The state of origin, I, it, it's, you know, they should be trying to get it here. It's a new market. They take it to Adelaide. <laughs> I can't even, like, like Adelaide, Christ yeah. say, how many Adelaide or South Australian-born people are playing in the NRL? Yeah. Compare that to New Zealand mm. and the islands. Mate, this is their market. They're going to Las Vegas. At least come to New Zealand and give us something we deserve. And I think the state of origin would be unbelievable here. I've said it before, we should be Sunday afternoon here. Forget the time frames that they work to. Let's be different. We're allowed to be different. COVID showed us that. Four o'clock kickoff here on a Sunday afternoon or a six o'clock kickoff here, four o'clock in Australia, leading into Channel 9 News. It'd be bigger than the, in the grand final. It'd be mm. awesome. Yeah. Mm. Well, I yeah. love how you're always... Um, you know, promoting not just the Warriors but rugby league, like obviously the CEO of the Warriors, but you're always talking about things in terms of growing the game of rugby league in New Zealand. And you mentioned, you know, the kids, and that's the that's what I've noticed the most this year is just is the young audience that have been drawn to the Warriors this year. And, you know, no doubt a lot of them have been inspired by what the team's doing on the field and, and you know, the Sean Johnsons and the Della Martinis, Elisniaks, you know, you see kids wearing the mullets, the mullet uh, sort of wigs and stuff. So, you know, it's inspiring the next generation. But something that we've sort of seen over the last couple of weeks, I know you've, you've spoken on it, but just in light of um, tr- the momentum that the Warriors have built and what you guys are trying to do for the game in New Zealand, how, I guess, disappointing is it that you've then got Canterbury Rugby League signing a deal with the Bulldogs, Auckland Rugby League signing a deal with Manly? Crazy. Crazy. It flies in the face of their obligations and responsibilities for the local game. Like We should be trying to encouraging every young kid in this country to play for New Zealand, to play for the Kiwis. It's crucial for the future of this sport and sport in general. Um, you know, for the likes of you know those governing bodies, Auckland Rugby League, to be opening up the door for Sydney-based clubs or Australian-based clubs to come in and work with our kids... Their only goal and objective, if you're an Australian-based club, is to get that kid to come and play for your club, mm. which is in Australia. Yeah. I put this to you. If any other club, 16 other clubs, excluding us in the NRL, won the competition, what impact would it have on New Zealand Rugby League? Zero to none. Mm. If the New Zealand Warriors won the competition, what impact would it have not only on Rugby League but in sport? Yeah. in general in New Zealand. You can't compare them. So we as governing bodies, i.e. Auckland Rugby League, should not be opening the door and the rolling out the red carpet to invite other clubs to come in and take that talent away because it's not only one child. What happens? He gets his mate to come with him. He gets his brother to go with him and so on and so on. We should be doing our absolute best to retaining all of the talent in New Zealand for here to be here for as long as possible to grow the quality of the competitions. Mm. We don't want to be in New South Wales Cup. We don't want to have Harold Matt's teams, Jersey Flag teams, SG Ball teams. We want those kids playing in quality competitions in New Zealand. 
And if you're not in our NRL team this week against Canberra, for example, you're playing in the local competition, not the New South Wales competition. Yeah. There's a lot of work to be done. And the first thing you should do is stop the talent leaving the country. We can't keep them all. Mm. They'll eventually go. Mm. Don't make them and let them go at 15, 14, 15, 16. Yeah. It's wrong. Yeah. And it's funny because Bluey, uh, we had Bluey <clears throat> McLean on a couple of weeks ago and he, you know, he's, he's been to World Cups and won Tri-Nations and he says, as much as we love the Kiwis and their success, that <clears throat> isn't what inspires the next generation. It's the Warriors and the Warriors doing well. That that's, is what, that's what brings people mate, to rugby we're, league. We're the retail shop front mm. for yeah. rugby league and the Kiwis are the pinnacle. Like, mm. They are dead set. That's, we want... Our players to want to play for the Kiwis. It's like in Queensland and New South Wales, you want your players to play for New South Wales and inspire to play for Australia. Um, to give you an example, like, do you see Canterbury Junior Rugby League doing a deal with Manly? Do you see Penrith Junior Rugby League doing deals with <laughs> Parramatta? <laughs> you don't. I don't understand it for one bit, and yeah. nothing will justify it. No. Nothing. No. Whether you can sit there and say, oh, the Warriors can't have them all, of course we can't have them all. But keep the talent here. Let's inspire them to be here. Let's inspire them to be Kiwis because the earlier they go, the more they'll play for Queensland, New South Wales and Australia. Yeah. We're gone. Yeah. It's just absolutely ludicrous in my mind that we're opening the doors up and not protecting our talent here in New Zealand. So as the whole, there's no meaningful competition for our 22, 23 18, 19 year old league players we've only got 30 in the Warriors that, you know, with so much talent in New Zealand we need a meaningful competition underneath that, like the old Barter Card Cup but Correct. a bit more zhuzhed up so where does that responsibility lie and where is it falling down that it's not happening? Okay, so we're having discussions with New Zealand Rugby League um, Auckland Rugby League are, uh, are involved in those discussions we're, we're trying to help them and get them to get up and get these competitions going because it's going to be a five year investment strategy and growth strategy to try and get the quality to the level we need and other clubs in Australia need to leave that talent here to play locally so um, it, it dead set lies with New Zealand Rugby League, they are the governing body for the game in this country and then they can lean on other governing bodies regionally to help them get the local competitions better. Greg Peters is doing his best, we're going through a bit of a process now to, to try and achieve that, but we're going we're gonna to need a lot of support and that support doesn't need to open the doors up to other NRL clubs to say, come in, let's work with our kids, work with our coaches, and, oh, yeah, take them. <laughs> take them because yep. we don't want to grow participation numbers. We don't want to grow talent and keep them here to have better competitions. Mm. So, um, you know, the other concerning thing is that 16-year-old that goes to Australia and has a bad experience, they don't come back. Mm. They don't come back and play footy here. You lose them to the game. Where everyone, and look at us most importantly, everyone is better off at home. Grow your talent pool, grow your opportunity. They will always go to Australia or other clubs if they're right, but let them be here and mature longer than going as kids. Um, and we need everyone, everyone to protect the talent in this country mm. to make it better for the competitions. Can we afford a comp like that in New Zealand? 100%. Well, why can't we? Let's. Let's look at the solution, not the problems. And there is solutions here. You know, everyone wants to talk about the history. There's some great history there that gives us the bones of what we should strive to get into the future again with some change. Commercially, I'm sure there's support. 
you know. Well, with the um, momentum at the moment, yeah, yeah surely. But NRL should be supporting it. Let's go there with a solution and say this is what we want in New Zealand and let's make them pay for it. You know, they help the states out in New South Wales. We are more crucial to their future than what Western Australia is, South Australia is, Northern Territory. We're equal to Queensland and New South Wales. Just mm. look at our talent. Do you think the, you know, there's responsibility on the NRL to stop the player drain out of New Zealand? Oh, I think so. I think, I think um, you know, some really valid um, points that we can explore as to why they should do that, and that is taking kids to Australia, putting them in schools over there and so on, um, doesn't always work. Mm. And then you lose them to the game in general. They're gone. They don't come back. And they're not playing in Australia because of their experience. They're not playing in New Zealand. Where if you have better competitions here, and whether it's schoolboys right through to second-tier comps that feed into NRL um, clubs at the top level, we'll be much better off and the NRL will be much better off because the talent will take on rugby union. Yeah. You know, we'll give the kids a better opportunity here if they don't want to play rugby union. Let's make us the number one sport. But to do that, we need those competitions. And when we have those competitions, we need ARL, Canterbury Rugby League, all those governing bodies to take ownership of the local game, not open the door and farm out all the talent. just doesn't make sense to me and it flies in the face of what their responsibilities and obligations should be to New Zealand. Mm. Yeah, let's hope we can get some sort of <clears throat> meaningful competition, not a, easy, well, not a quick fix, but not a difficult fix, Cam. That's what you're saying. Absolutely, but it starts now, and it starts. It starts. Don't worry about trying to help Australian clubs. Let's help our own backyard first, and that'll all happen in the future. So, it's a long, it's a long, long term approach, but it's got to start now. Quick break for new sport and weather. We'll come back and wrap it up with Cam George, CEO of the Warriors. Right, great to have you back on board, Cam George. We're going to hold you a little bit longer. So many things we can talk to you about. Um, you touched on before about a p- potentially a magic round for NRLW in New Zealand. Now, we don't have an NRLW team this year. How far away is it? All right, look, our plan is to go in the 25 um, intake, 2025, the NRL. We've had the discussions Um we're planning for it. You know, we've employed Nadine Conlon, who's just a, an absolute She's legend of the women's game. And uh, so we've employed her now in partnership with New Zealand Rugby League to start planning for that. Um, she travelled to Australia recently to understand how the planning and the landscape is going to look like and what's best suits us and so on. So we see it a big part of our future. Um, and look, we're just working to the timelines of the NRL. Uh, when their next intake will be of of two more teams, so that's twenty twenty five. You know, we we're the first team in it. We we're the first four teams that you know kicked off the NRLW. Sadly, due to COVID, we just couldn't manage ourselves through it. Um, but we're always destined to go back when the opportunity uh, was right, and now we need to build that pathway to get back into it next year, uh, 2025. You, you touched on um, just – I've got a couple more because I know Sammy's frothing to get some more questions out here. Um, Roger's coming back. Sean's just signed for another year. I think we've got Torhu to lead into next year as well. The recruitment process – is an ever-evolving beast because the iceberg's always melting and there's more coming up through the bottom. Is it an easier conversation these days given what's been going on the last six months with the club? Uh, like, are they answering the phone and having discussions now? Yeah, 
Yeah. Oh, winning helps that for sure. Uh, but, you know, Andrew McFadden's come back to the club as our head of recruitment, development and pathways, and he has been absolutely outstanding in setting up that whole structure with an amazing bunch of staff around him. And it, it's all about the people we have in the club doing that. And Cappy's got a, a, a tremendous eye for talent um, and he, he really believes in the club like Webby. And him and Webby work hand in hand. Cappy being an ex-head coach, not only of, of here at the Warriors in particular, but senior roles in Australia, understands what, what Webby needs. And Webby really trusts Cappy's view on that selection process. And they, it's quite ironic. Every, every couple of weeks we catch up and, and, mate, there's never a debate because they always seem to be on the same page, the two boys, and it's really great. And that discussion just flows right down through his staff with the selection of kids coming in. Next year we're going to have five teams and we're going to have <laughs> um, talent coming through the pipeline and Cappy's job is to make sure we get the best talent in New Zealand into our pipeline, and then it's our coach's job to develop them. And by the time they get to Webby, they're developed, yeah. they're coached properly, they understand the Warriors' way and the identity of the club, and Webby then is just working with high-quality athletes at the elite level, yeah. where without those teams, what happens is the NRL are still coaching. Mm. Yeah. And that slows you down and that becomes a bit of an impediment. So Cappy and Webby done an amazing job there. The discussions are fun. They're easier to have. <laughs> and, um, you know, blokes like Roger and Sean, you, you just you, you trot them through the office at the right time when there's a kid and his family are there. Oh, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Money for jam. The best one, Stacey. The best one, Stacey, because the kids don't know who Stacey is, but yeah. mum and dad do. Yeah. They, oh, mate, they just prop <laughs> over him. And, oh, he's Stacey. Come and meet him. The kids are uh, sitting there. Who's he? And my dad's like getting a photo with him and everything. He's the greatest one, Stace. Yeah. Um, Roger, we get asked this question all the time from the listeners, and I don't have the answer, so maybe you can. Uh how close was he to chucking a Warriors jersey on this year? Was the discussion had with New Zealand rugby to do you really want him? He's not in the he won't make the World Cup. He's going to be a Warrior next year. Did did conversations happen? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we asked a question. Uh, we were advised by New Zealand rugby that he'd had to conclude his Blues uh, season out, um, and there was no intention of letting him go. Um, then we had to marry that up with a couple of things. One, I had to speak to the NRL about the notational value they'll put on Roger mm. if he was to come back. Um, you, you, you know, there's been plenty of examples of that around the NRL. So we had to look at our salary cap in that regard. Um, but equally as important, um, we didn't want to put pressure on Roger either, mm. and we didn't want to have Webby feel like under pressure that if Rog came back now, we had to play him straight yeah, away. Yeah. Um, Rog, in Webby's view and the and the trainer's view, was going to take you know five to six weeks of reconditioning, if you like, for an NRL uh, campaign in the centres. And um, by the time he took that into account, we're sort of only looking about now. He he may or may not be ready for selection. Mm. And um, yeah, there, there were a lot of moving parts to it. We certainly asked a question. We looked at all angles, and Rog is big on integrity and um, yep. commitment to his contracts and and so on. Um, and I know from his own personal view, as much as he'd love to probably put the jumper on, he, he understands he's got a job to do for the Auckland uh, rugby now. Um, and, um, you know, we'll, we'll, 
he'll have a good off season with us, mate. Mm. It, it's good. It's, I'm just excited for him to come back next year. Yeah, no, we all are. Um, want to talk to you about the the run into the finals, um, but just quickly, I guess talking about um, you, you mentioned the juniors here and trying to bring them through so that they're at a level, you know, ready to play in the NRL. When you sat down last year and you you signed back on Cappy, you signed back on Webby, or you signed on Webby. Was there a time frame in your guys' eyes of a premiership? Because so often people talk about Penrith and they talk about you know Gus Guild's five-year plan to bring through juniors underneath senior players, and then you know in five to sort of six years' time they're talking about challenging top fours in premiership. Did you have that in mind when you sat down and signed on Cappy no. and Webby? So when when Webby's probably the first. He was the first piece of the puzzle. Um, bearing in mind, like we'd signed Mitch Barnett, Marada Nairkora, um, Chance come with the, the exchange of Reese Walsh out of the club, um, and Tamari came after Webby, and you know we had we had a few other you know little signings as well. So all those pieces were in play when we signed Webby, and I remember having a discussion with Webby, and Webby, um, you know. He's very pedantic, as casual as he is. He's very pedantic, and he went through every stat of every player in our top thirty. I provide him all the information and so on. And this is day two of him agreeing to mm. be a part of our club. And normally, as as you say, people will want to make change, and that happens in any organisation when they take over. Um, <clears throat> but he truly believed in the squad we had. The only addition he brought in was was Tamari. Yeah. Um, so I remember um, I I presented Webby um, at the start of the year before game one with with his first New Zealand Warriors uh, one New Zealand Warriors jumper for the first game as we do for the players. I you know presented him with his debut jumper as well, and I said to him and I said to the playing group that this bloke didn't want anyone else outside of this room to come into the club. He truly believed in every player mm. was the right fit for us right now. And our whole sort of mentality is let's just win everything we do. Whether it's week one, week two, week three, week four, the premiership will come mm. when we get that stuff right. But we go to training, we train the best we can, and we win that day. We win the next day. We win in the gym. We win at the team meetings. We win in reviews. Everything's about trying to win, win, win. Mm. And the big premiership stuff will come later. Yeah. But if you get all that other stuff right, it'll come sooner than you know we all thought. So there was never a plan. Yeah, because I guess the reason why to win. Yeah, I guess the reason why I ask that question is because you know you're looking at it now, and as Steph mentioned, you know Sean one more <coughs> year, Torhu moving on potentially going to retire at the end of next year. A couple of older guys. Is does it feel like there's a window here? And the fact that at the end of next year, maybe we're you know, going back a little bit to start rebuilding. Yeah, yeah, and that's the way our cap works. Um, uh, you know, Webby and Cappy and I have had a really good look at this sort of whole process. Um, there wouldn't be too many clubs in the competition that win the competition with a heap of space in their cap. Yep. You, you know, you, yep. you dead set test it right to the yep. the final dollar. Yeah. And we have for a, a while had room in our cap. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what we're waiting for, but I'm waiting for a premiership. Yeah. So I said to these boys, let's peak our cap. Mm-hmm. Let's peak it to win the thing. And um, that's sort of our, our approach, as you touch on, you know, over the next year or two. And then by then with our development teams producing the talent coming through the pipeline, we're starting to 
get the benefit of a salary cap by having our own developed players coming through in 25, 26, 27. Mm. So you have peaks and then you, you sort of go again. Yeah. Um, we're getting there and um, you know we're, we're really excited about what's happening but I'm just so excited about the talent in our pipeline that Cappy and the boys have got uh, ready to come to the Warriors over the next couple of years. So a bit of salary cap for next year. Could we see maybe a couple more signings, do you think? It never, ever stops. I think we, we talked on the recruitment stuff. But you, you can sit here and say we're locked in. We don't have a spot. Mm. Um, we know that. But that doesn't mean something doesn't change. Mm. And that can be for any number of reasons. And I've experienced all those reasons the last three years. But <laughs> it it you can't sit here and say we're not going to sign anyone or we will sign anyone. Um, we've got no spots left, but um, I'm pretty confident we're going to be very stable, which is really cool. Um, but it's rugby league, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So I'm not foolish to think that things don't change from time to time. Cam George, taking a lot of your time. Uh, I've got one request, not a question, one request. Can you give us an up the waz? <laughs> <laughs> Mate. Your best up the wires. <laughs> up the wires! <laughs> yes! Love it. Ah, uh, Cam George. We'll take a break. I'll show Cam out the door. Uh, thanks heaps for your time, buddy. We'll come back after a break. Getting you through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Oh, it was good to have Cam George in studio. We got truckloads of texts with, can you ask him, can you ask him, can you ask him? But um, we just couldn't get get through them all. Um, there were a couple, uh, one of them from Goose saying, can you ask Cam whether they've done some different things this year around social media? It seems to be the best in the NRL now. They've got a new person looking after their social media. Made a semis, actually, doing a fantastic job. Uh, for me, guys, about the Warriors, the winning has been great, but even better has been the effort. Don't really care what happens as long as the effort is there week in, week out. Let's, I uh, can't read that word, let's just make it, let's jolly well go from Jared. From Jared. Does the stadium keep the extra seating indefinitely? Go the Warriors. Um, we asked them about that just uh, just as he was leaving because I read that. Uh, they are evaluating it, but it does take away from that um, sort of family zone interaction type stuff. Um, and it costs costs a lot of money, costs a lot of money to keep it there, like rental, et cetera. Um, and unless it was fully packed, which would be 30-something thousand, um, I guess it's a watch this space. Dale? Uh, hi, this is from Mark. I know the team can only play who they draw, but my friend says the Warriors have been given a very favourable draw in relation to only playing the gun teams once. Hence he thinks come finals time they could really struggle and I tend to agree. You want to talk about favourable draws, have a look at Brisbane, where they've been playing. Just about all of them in Queensland, Sunshine Coast, North Queensland. Um, you can you can pick the bones out of any team's draw and say it's favourable, unfavourable. It swings and roundabouts. I, and Warriors have had some shocking draws in the past and I think they've proven in the last few weeks um, they're as good as any team. In fact, even Australian pundits without um, Warriors rose-tinted glasses on are saying it's, it's Penrith, Brisbane or the Warriors, um, the most likely title contenders. Um, I'll get some more of your text messages. We'll get away our last break before the news. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. 
You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Uh, just one other thing that we talked about as Cam was leaving, Sam, was about a text message that came into the station earlier this morning about the semis. Yeah, there was a text that came into Izzy and Kempi asking or suggesting that the NRL doesn't want, if there is a, a semi-final in New Zealand, a home semi-final for the Warriors, that they don't want it at Mount Smart, which completely baffles me because stadiums like Penrith only seat about 22,000, so it can't be a size thing. But I think the NRL is probably just getting a bit greedy there, going, oh, well, let's let's go Eden Park and try and get 50,000. I don't think they'd get 50,000. I don't think you would um, They might, but why would you take it away from the spiritual home and the home where they've played all of their home games apart from the Napier game? Um, yeah, just in the Wellington game. It, it would be very, it'd be a very sour taste in my mouth if that's what the NRL did. And the Warriors organisation being very faithful to the faithful. It's like it's like holding your twenty first at your best mate's house instead of your own house. Yeah, you just don't good. do it. You that's just don't do it. You. I'd love to get your calls on the chat with Cam George. We've got the news, but give us a call. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. Any points you want to talk about? This is afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. <laughs> Sam was saying, who's the singer? I had a mind block and he had to tell me in headphones. Georgie Benson. Um, number of text messages, but you're welcome to call. 0800 150 811. A lot of, lot of mileage covered there with Cam George. Uh, James says, hey, how do we go about getting access to the home base at Let's Go Media Stadium <laughs> uh, to watch the boys? There's a competition, isn't there, Sam? You ring the fan line and say why you're a deserving member. Is that the one? Yeah, there is one, isn't That's there? That's it, yeah, 0800 uh, uh, 37-go-warriors. There it is. Let us know why you're the Warriors one big fan. Yeah, let us know why the Warriors being one big fan, James, and you and a group of others can get into that. Uh, Cam is 100% correct, Staffy. Please get the ARL on the radio and hold them to account. Cheers, Dave. Have we ever tried to get Andrew Abdo, Sammy? Uh, oh, okay, look. I've tried many times to get, uh, not as many times to get Andrew Abdo. I have tried a couple of times and I've tried very, uh, a lot of times to get uh, Peter Volandis on. And like, I'll tell you a quick story, if I may. I'm Go not going to mention the guy's name, but the media guy who runs the NRL media comes back all guns blazing. Yeah, mate, no worries. Let's make it happen. Okay, great. We talk, we talk for a couple of weeks and it's like, how does next Thursday sound? You know, 10 a.m. He said brilliant. Yeah. 
brilliant. Next Thursday, 10 a.m., fantastic, can't wait. Gets close to the time. Hey, mate, what's the go? Like, can we have his number? Can we do that? No response, no response. Gets a day out, mate, just checking back in. We still want for tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. And then you get a message later that even be like, hey, mate, sorry, we've had to cancel this maybe next time. That's happened to me a million times, right? friend of mine who works for another media organisation in a group chat that we've got messaged one day <laughs> saying, we've got Peter Volandis this Monday. And I was like, well, we'll wait and see. He was like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, I've had Peter Volandis about three times. Had, quote unquote, Peter Volandis three times. Sure enough, Monday comes around. Doesn't have him. <laughs> so I don't know, Steph. It's like, I, I, um, I, I don't want to buy into the conspiracy that the NRL is against the Warriors. But man, they make it tough a lot of the time with like access and stuff and particularly with the other clubs like I go to um, our opposition almost every week I go to whoever team we're playing and I ask them for a player to come on and talk about the Warriors now all that lip service like you mentioned last year about you know giving back to the Warriors and, and you know what the fans have had to go through and all this sort of stuff and then I, I go to their media managers and ask them for a simple player interview for five or ten minutes and either I get no reply or I get a sorry mate can't do it or you know too busy whatever and I'm just like how hard is it for them to just help promote the game a little bit like I remember when we had um Adam Reynolds and some clubs do it better than others but we had Adam Reynolds on with um the Brecky boys ahead of um the game in Napier and um I think it was it was Adam Reynolds or they had no they oh yeah it was Adam Reynolds and like it was an awesome chat and it was just so cool to hear from Adam Reynolds we don't hear from him in the capacity of talking about the Warriors we hear them on 360 we hear them on Fox where they're talking about you know the Australian teams and talking about themselves but it's so cool to hear them talking like to a New Zealand audience and to yeah. hear them talk about the Warriors so yeah. it does frustrate me I, I, I have tried for Abdo um, of course we got him in the commentary box at the end of last year and that was all just was it end of last year or start of this year last end of year. last year and that was just yeah it felt just like lip service really staff was you that know, the just, Melbourne game because I remember I got the chat with Craig Bellamy on the sideline and he his mind just said no and so I went and chucked the microphone well not the microphone I just went up to Bellamy I said mate New Zealand would love to hear from you what the Warriors have been through for COVID help and he goes how long will it be I said oh just a couple of minutes and he went for a good five or six mm. <clears throat> and it's just so good to hear from them yeah well, like I said, you just don't hear from them normally, and it's a good chance to promote the game to like our fans. I mean, like here at Reynolds, you hear about how much he's looking forward to the game and what they're going to bring, and it gets you. It's, it's, we we always talk about this. It's the stories, um, it's the personalities behind the game that we're trying to promote. And you know, sometimes the media we can get a little bit self-absorbed and thinking that we deserve to hear from these people all the time, and we deserve unfiltered access. And I get that's a fair criticism, but. At the same time, I think there is a case to be made for them helping to promote the game mm. through us. Yeah. You know? I agree. I agree. Um, Dean says, Staff, three good seasons and 28 seasons isn't good enough. No one will disagree with that. Look at those three seasons. One common denominator, the coach. Not some washed up good bloke ex-warrior. The coach should be their number one re-signing. Not Sean Johnson, only my opinion, Dean. Yeah, he is a very, very important signing. And that won't be lost on the organisation at all. We go to Northland and we talk to Paul. G'day, Paul. G'day, Steffi. Hey, um, I missed the first probably 15, 20 minutes of it, but um, I've got a few points I wanted to bring up. Um, I... I I, saw, I ran into Abdo, I walked past him at the uh, Tigers at the homecoming game early on in the year and you know, there was a really excitement in the air and I, as he walked past I said to him, how about, you know, how about some more home games and, um, you know, this year for, for the Warriors and, you know, and it was all about, you know, I'll watch this space, you know, all smiles and everything but 
I just can't help feel that, you know, that that this, uh, along with the fact that um, these clubs like Manly and the Bulldogs are targeting and they're allowed to get away with it, um, you know, they're colluding with Auckland Rugby League and so forth to take our talent overseas. Um, I, I, I just, to me, it just doesn't line up and it just comes across as self-interest. I mean, I know that they're an organisation, they've got billions of dollars in TV contracts, they've got to look after the game, but, you know, don't don't talk about the New Zealand Warriors and what they've done for the game and, you know, and um, you know they've kept the game alive during COVID, we'll look after, we're going to do this. I've, I've seen nothing. Hmm. No, I've seen nothing. And the thing was, while we were doing it, I felt like we were paying it forward. But we've paid forward and got nothing. Um, we opened our savings account and we're in overdraft and we're just having to battle up that hill on our own again. With, yeah. We don't want handouts, we don't want favours, but we'd like a little bit of something. Well, at the end of the day, you look at how many Kiwis, young Kiwis go, go to Australia and what they call you know, the browning of the NRL, you know, almost 50% are Pacific Island or Māori players in that competition. Um, you know, it's that they they need to to do more. I, I I was hoping that you'd ask um, Cameron George. By the way, he's a fantastic operator. Um, I, was, I was hoping that you'd ask him about uh, a second team in, in New Zealand because I I think that's what's needed. And there's no doubt about it. And you know, yes, the NRL are considering it, but we need a second team here in New Zealand. You know, and, and um, you know, for, for young young kids to aspire to and. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's a no-brainer for me. Yeah, I think if that, um, I don't know if you were listening in when we were talking about a meaningful second tier underneath the Warriors competition, if there was a second team, I think that would um, expedite that high-level domestic competition that Cam and yep. New Zealand Rugby League are working on. But great points, Paul. We've got to keep going. Thanks heaps for your call, buddy. Yeah, Cheers, buddy. We'll go to Scott in Wellington. G'day, Scott. Hey, you, Steph. How you going? Good, buddy. Um, yeah, fully agree with that last caller. A second team, um, you know, there's the talent here for it, and, and that would probably help, you know, not having the, the Sydney-based teams coming into the likes of Auckland and Canterbury Rugby League and, and taking those players so young. And, um, I, I mean, Canterbury, uh, Christchurch in general would be the perfect place for it. Um, as much as I'd love one in Wellington, I, I think it would work better out of Christchurch, um, you know, just having that North South Island sort of rivalry there as well um, so definitely on that side um, and I think uh, you know obviously with the NRO it, it does become frustrating in terms of they're happy to take as many dollars as they can from the New Zealand um, broadcasting deal and, and all of that and um, you know majority or well, almost I think it's just over half of the players now coming out of the New Zealand or the islands and that but they don't really give us much in return and, and as you say it's not we don't want anything extra um, but, you know, you think it would be in the best interest of the NRL to help promote and, and grow the game here, um, not just at a domestic level, but at the international level as well, because there's, you know, there's so much potential here and it, it seems more logical to do that than, than grow, you know, take State of Origin to LA and, and that sort of thing, or even as Cam George said to uh, Adelaide. Um, the market's already here. It's, it's simple. It just, just needs a bit of help. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's poised. It's ready. You have not got um, a New Zealand sporting public as absorbable for rugby league content ever, I would say, in our history than we've got right now. Exactly, exactly. Mm. And I think at the moment, you know, um, 
how the, with the Warriors on the role that you're on really obviously helps that as well. But I think one thing they've always done, and I've spoken to you about this before, is it's it's the engagement, and and that's one of the things the the Warriors do so well. And I think they, you know, listening to that with Cam George, the thing is they understand that it's the fans that, that make the club. If you don't have the fans, they don't come. You've got no product at the end of the day, and and your players aren't going to be paid what they're getting paid today. And a lot of sports teams and and different um, competitions do forget that at the same time. Mm. Bang on, good man, Scott. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Steph. Have a good afternoon. You too, bud. We'll go to Waikato to talk to Brent. G'day, Brent. How you going, bro? Hey, I'm awesome. Um, that women's team I watched yesterday, what a phenomenal performance that was. I'm a bit scared now with the old women's beating Canterbury and then watching that. What do you <laughs> think about that? It was, and the Farah Palmer. Yeah. It was good. I enjoyed the Farah Palmer Cup on the weekend. I didn't get to watch as much as I wanted to because there's so much else on. Yeah, I bet you did being a man of a two, man. I hate man of a two, but I won't say that to you on air. You just did. <laughs> you just bloody did. 84 nil. ring a bell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, um, right back from the 80s when you guys tried to take the shield off us, you couldn't get it. Oh, your time will come, mate. Your time will come. No, I'm pleased you enjoyed it, Brent. Yeah, no, there's some pretty good rugby around at the moment. I went to watch the game on Saturday, Melville versus Pataru. Pataru come up. Because we're in first division, and we had a last couple of three years of being ratchet. But um, in saying that, Pateri come up, and we put him away by um, 70, is it 69 5. There's, there's a lot of difference between the divisions up here, you mm. know, the main divisions and all that. So it's pretty sad, but it's, like, it's life. Yeah. But yeah, it's enjoyable, the old rugby at the moment. Good. I'm pleased, you're, the, pleased you're enjoying it, mate. Yeah, we had the Mulu Parade yesterday, so we're getting all geared up and getting our boys and introducing the kids and all that and getting flags and a bit of a feed and all that. It was quite good buzz at Claudens. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, MP- no, NPC time's <laughs> my favourite time of rugby. Favourite part of yeah. rugby is NPC. Brent, we've got to hustle on. Good to hear you enjoyed your weekend, buddy. Uh, thanks heaps for calling. Uh, last one before the break, Graham, and wider it up. A good day, Face. Hey, mate. How are you? I'm brilliant. It's the story. Um, no, just uh, I thought um, just quickly, uh, Ken George, he's always great to listen to. Um, and if you cast your mind back, mate, um, <clears throat> he came to New Zealand, <clears throat> excuse me, from Racing Victoria to set up the um, Racing Integrity Unit yep. um, at the TAB for New Zealand Racing. Um, and got to know him quite a bit then because you and I were both working in that same building at the same time. And um, just such a nice guy and such a trustworthy guy. Um, I just wanted to fly the flag for him because um, um, he, he copped a bit of flack a couple of years ago when the Warriors weren't doing so well. Now um, now um, the Warriors are sailing high. Um, everybody's listening. But, um, but yeah, um, on another subject, which you will love, and a little bit to, on, on the back of that last caller as well, I did a little bit of gardening yesterday, then the rain came, so I came in and turned TV on at 2.30 in the afternoon. Now, women's sport is alive and well, mate. Mm. On TV One, Sport One, there was the Farah Palmer Cup, Auckland versus Wellington, which I watched the whole game and gutted that Wellington lost it in the last minute. I watched that game um, too, yeah. I know, that was gutting. Sky Sport Two, Farah Palmer Cup, Harbour versus Northland. Sky Sport Three, Tauhui Basketball, the New Zealand women's and national competition, Kahu versus Tokomanawa. Sky Sport Four, NRL Women's, live from Australia. Sky Sport 6, LPGA replay. 
<laughs> Sky Sport 9. Hello, Farah Palmer, replay of Tasman versus Otago. And just to rub salt into the wound, ESPN2, live from America, women's lacrosse. <laughs> <laughs> and there was probably a FIFA Women's World Cup on Sky Sports Select as well. Oh, yeah, you're probably right. Number 15, is that 58? Mm. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome, yeah. But um, I thought, yeah, I thought, but I'm just going to write that down because um, I know you're a real advocate of women's sport, but um, I just thought, wow, the um, the females have certainly um, put a stamp on sport in the last couple of years, and it's great to see. Yeah, and I was also, a similar vein, uh, I can't remember what day of the weekend it was, but uh, uh, 51, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, all had live sport. And our sky get a few barbs thrown at them from time to time, but we had six sports live on Sky at the same time at some stage during the weekend. It was hard to choose because I take live over replays any time. But face, we've got a scoot. Thanks for calling in, bud. Thanks. See you, mate. Graham out of the wider rapper. We'll take a break. And on the other side, we're going to wrap up uh, Test 4 with the Ashes with our great man, Theo Doropoulos, Channel 7 Sports and Cricket reporter after this. Getting you through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Just gone 20 past one and we're going across the ditch now to talk to Seven News Cricket reporter Theo Doropoulos on the wash-up. And it really was a wash-up, day five of Test 4 of the Ashes. Theo, welcome in. Was it was it welcomed with glee that you've held on to the urn or would you have liked to have won it on the field, do you think? Staffy, good afternoon. Uh, well, look, I think we did win it on the field, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> on the first two tests. <laughs> I you mean, know, this, well, test, like this test. This test. A lot of a lot of emotion coming out of England saying that it's unjust. Well, I think plenty of times England has been saved by rain. I think given what's happened, you, you just have to win the series. There are no rules that say you have to win the particular test that seals the series. So I think if you look across the board, yeah, Australia's had their moments of dominance and so have England, to be fair. But all that matters is the little urn is in its rightful place and Australia's got a 2-1 lead and... From my point of view, I mean, that's all that matters, really. They've earned the right to keep it. And look, a bit of rain, a bit of bad luck. It would have been a wonderful finish to the test. And England probably get up and we go to the Oval at 2 all, and then anything can happen from there. But look, that's the way it goes. Happy days, Australia. I know it's radio, but I can almost see the smile on your face. Theo. <laughs> I think there was a collective clanking of glass when Australians put their champagne bottles in the recycling bins early this morning. It was great. It's been a brilliant series, and luckily we've got one to go. But, yeah, I noticed uh, yeah, a few prominent Englishmen, Piers Morgan was firing off a few thoughts on Twitter about how unfair life is. And Look, I don't think there'd be anyone in Australia that agrees with him. That's the nature of the game. And you've got to win the first couple of tests to give yourself a lead mm. in case this happens. And that's pretty predictable in old in Manchester at Old Trafford, isn't it? That you get a bit of rain and you budget for at least one draw in England. And luckily for the Aussies, it was when they really needed it. So, look, play on. Yeah, and those of us that looked ahead at the forecast and saw rain on the final two days and back the draw at 275, don't give a toss that uh, <laughs> it was a drawn test, Theo. What about the performances of the Australian team? Um, I know it was a, an abridged fourth test, but um, Manus stood up. Who, who else featured for you? Well, Manus was good, wasn't he? I mean, he, from memory, he hadn't made a score above 
sort of 80 for the last 20 odd innings. So that was uh, enormous under immense pressure. Mitch Marsh again, another half century. But I think the most disappointing part was the first innings where you look at sort of Marsh, Green, Head, all sort of got starts and then really failed to go on with it in a, a massive way, uh, like Marsh. So put ourselves in a bit of a dicey position. And then I think if we look at what we did with the ball, it probably wasn't up to scratch. So I, I think from the series, you know, Mitch Marsh's 100 at Headingley will probably go down as one of the great Ashes 100s. It's mm. probably top 10 in Australian cricket, really. I mean, it's given the circumstances, and no other player looked like he got over sort of 20 or 30, and then Mitch come out in a session and belted 100. We're going to a position, and you know, you, you consider almost sort of that result nearly winning that game. So incredible performance by him to come in for Cam Green. And then, look, I think across the board, there haven't been too many sparkling performances, albeit somehow Australia has a 2-1 lead. So you know, I think there'll be a few more question marks about the side going forward after this series. I think you know, Dave Warner probably plays at the Oval and then that might be it. I mean, I noticed he, he did say he'd like to retire against Pakistan in Sydney at the end of the upcoming Australian summer. Well, I don't know about you, Steffi, but I don't think many people in that sort of situation can dictate when the end comes for them if they're not going so well. So... Yeah, I think the Aussies have a few questions to answer. I, I think Hazelwood's been good. I think Boland's been good. Bowlers have had their moments. But, yeah, I, I think this test, England, fair to say, they definitely got the better of us. What happens captaincy-wise for the Australian test team post-Ashes? I know there's a bit of speculation that uh, Pat Cummins might step, uh, step down. There was a bit of criticism with how he managed his bowlers um, when England were going after it. Do, do you think he's safe and do you think he wants to remain captain? I'd say yes to both of those. Definitely safe. I don't think there'll be any form of axing of Pat Cummins. I think if he is to step down, it would be certainly on his own accord. But I just don't think he will. I, I know the guy, see him around, a, you know, a, for a couple of years I've come to Adelaide. I've got to know him a little bit. He's a straight-up sort of operator. No real... Uh, bluff about him. He's pretty direct and, and he's a nice guy and, and well loved in, in the Aussie change room. So yeah, I'd imagine he keeps the job. And I think the difficult part for a bowling captain is he's trying to recover. And that was the, the criticism of his first appointment, really, is he's having a, a genuine new ball, out and out bowler as the captain when the other team's coming at you in the way that England does, which is really, it's reinvigorated Test cricket under uh, our old mate, uh, Brendan McCullum. He's been fantastic and that side has played so well. But whether the captain can just have a, a bit of a breather and assess what's going on when, you know, you then have to juggle your own bowling, your, your teammates bowling, your field placings, and that's why he relies heavily on Steve Smith. So, no, I, I wouldn't expect there's a changing of the captaincy at all. I mean, he's got the the best man or the second best man for the job standing at second split there, lending some support. So the question will be what happens in the series going sort of beyond Pakistan and eventually when Pat decides in you know three or four years' time what happens next, then Australia will be left with a pretty serious question. You just mentioned Brendan McCullum and his combination with Ben Stokes uh, <clears throat> are sort of changing the way, not every team, but changes how we view Test cricket now. I guess the question is, Baz Ball, and he hates that phrase, but that's what it's being coined. Do you view it as a success or as um, a positive for Test cricket? Yeah, it's certainly a positive. Absolutely. It has made, not that it was unwatchable, but at times Test cricket has become a bit of a grind and 
I think watching the way that England plays with a certain freedom, especially with the bat, that's captivated audiences. I mean, look at the crowds. It was impossible to get a ticket for, for Old Trafford. Even the first sort of three tests as well, just speaking to a few of the Aussie boys, they could barely get some mates in there. So the England English public have come out in droves to support it. And it's great to watch, really. It is. It's just a shame that Australians are on the receiving end at times. That's the only difficult part about watching it. But like Harry Brooks come out, he's you know, Crawley, Stokes... They all go at a run of ball or better than. And I guess it sort of makes sense when you look at it because test cricket, half the time the fielders are all standing behind you. So they're waiting for a, a nick in the slips and there's just so much room. The fact that they've taken the game on, they've made Australia think differently, they've made opposition teams think differently. Yeah, I think it's absolutely fantastic. Is it sustainable? Well, as long as you've got the players, absolutely. The courage to do it is despite a couple of results going against you and as we saw at Old Trafford, I mean, they were sort of backed into a corner having to win the test, but they certainly took it on despite being down 2-1, and you know, I think it's been absolutely brilliant, to be honest with you. Would you suggest... Oh, I suggest that England's motivation will be higher for the fifth test than Australia. I'm not necessarily saying that that transforms into that they will win it, but um, I think they will possibly try and take a moral... Not high ground, but equal ground if they could tie the Ashes to all? Well, I think so. If one thing England has done well this series, it's to sort of rewrite history, haven't they? I mean, I know know, Ollie Robinson saying after the first test they felt like they won it. Well, they didn't. The second test, they were the better team. They lost that one as well. No worries. So outside of the way that they want to view the series and morally, should Alex Carey have stumped Johnny Bairstow at Lords? You know, if he was up to the stumps, he's just out. So... Yeah, they can they can rewrite rewrite the game and series and take the moral high ground. But getting to the oval, I noticed Alistair Cook used to say years ago they played on two different surfaces. One if they were behind and one if they were ahead. If it was a, if they were ahead in the series, it tended to be a, a flat track. And I dare say I agree with you completely that England will want to take this series to a, a level pegging, take it at two all, and then that way they can say, well, they weren't definitively beaten um, and I think we might see a bit of juice at the Oval and I'm all for it. I think it's great. If they do come away 2-0, uh, 2 all, look, it doesn't diminish the fact that Australia's won the Ashes but it just shows that England has some supreme class and they're playing against the World Test Champions, aren't they? So, look, it's, it's been a great series. Uh, I prefer Australia to sort of take it outright 2-1 or or 3-1, but look, if it does go to all, the urn's coming home, and it's sort of a tip of the cap to England. Theo, uh, congratulations to you and yours. Uh, I was going to say I couldn't be happier for you, but I possibly could. I'd love it to be two all <laughs> going into the last, but uh, we don't have to wait long. Thursday night, uh, New Zealand and Australia time, it all kicks off again. Three hours, eight days, and 27 minutes. First ball's being bowled. Can't wait. Theo, always appreciate your time, buddy. Thanks for having me, Sappy. Cheers, mate. Theo uh, Duropoulos there, uh, Seven News cricket reporter, wiping up the ashes. We'll take a break for new sport and weather. Little flick, chance for Smith, 
and she takes it. Sophia Smith. Smith with the shot back in, and it's gone all the way through. Who made the error? Haran, 3-0. As it finishes, the United States 3, Vietnam 0. And it is a great pleasure to welcome in uh, the Lady President of the United States uh, Domiciled New Zealand Fan Club, Casey Barrier, and 3-0 United States against Vietnam. I watched it. It was a little bit disjointed by the USA for big patches of that game, Case. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, it's the first time that that starting 11 has ever played together in an official match, so you're going to need some time for him to gel together, regardless of how long they have been in camp, but... Look, I'll take the 3-0 victory, <laughs> clean sheet, three points, three goals. Um, and if you look at games across the last few days with like so-called favorites against underdogs, um, the U.S. actually came out quite well in comparison. So, I did want to talk about one of those. England against Haiti. I couldn't take my eyes off that game. It was so entertaining. Uh, the Haitians... Uh, probably we've never heard of any of them. Well, I hadn't. They had a young teenage phenom. Gosh, Mel- it was entertaining. Melchie Dumornay. Yeah, she's just been picked up by Lyon, um, and you can see why. She's a threat up top, and yeah, it's going to be real fun to watch going forward. But no, that game was, yeah, it was extremely entertaining. England, you know, also didn't look their best, um, but Haiti put up a fight, and I actually thought they deserved at least a point out of that one. Well, overhead bike kicks, scissor kicks, um, really flamboyant, and I think they're the best of the teams that have lost so far. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also would argue South Africa deserved a point against Sweden. Um, Sweden had the comeback and they scored only to go ahead in the last couple minutes. Um, South Africa, they looked good. Um, Jamaica, France, nil all. Um, I know that lost you your bet, Steffi. But <laughs> thanks, mate. There actually was an earlier one as well. There was uh, Nigeria, Canada. Both, oh yeah, that's right. Both both games had red cards. In fact, we've had a few uh, red cards. Nigeria have had a red. Zambia have had a red, and Jamaica have had a red. Uh, the officials aren't mucking around. No, they're not. Um, a f- there's been far too many penalty calls, as far as I'm concerned. But um, the Reds. The Jamaica one yesterday may have been a little bit harsh. Um, I felt for the Zambia keeper as well because she got a yellow. Her first yellow was on a play that eventually ended up being wiped out because VAR determined it was offsides to start. So to ha- she gets to keep her yellow, but the rest of the call disappears. So she got her second yellow and then was tossed. So, mm. yeah, a bit of a, a tough one there for them. We're about 10 games in, thereabouts. Mm. Which has been your best game? game? Game of it so far? Oh, I enjoyed probably mostly watching the Japan game, Japan-Zambia. Yes, they were playing Zambia, but they were so enjoyable to watch. They're always just so fun, the the type of uh, football that they play, just super technical, um, so good on the ball, just moved it around, like slotting balls through the defense. It was, yeah, super enjoyable. We've got some big, big football nations playing today. Holy heck. I mean, Italy-Argentina. Um, powerhouses in the men's game, powerhouses in the women's game. These two, not yet. It'll be it'll be a really great game, and I'm looking forward to it. I will be there tonight, um, and expecting a pretty passionate crowd. Um, but yeah, it'll be a fiery match. I think um, both those nations play with such passion uh, when they take the field on the men's and the women's side. Um, they're not quite up there in the rankings as the men's side are, but um, no, it'll be a good one today. Pre-tournament, I was told Germany had the easiest group. They get their campaign underway tonight at 8.30 against Morocco. 
Yeah, um, I'm curious to see how Germany looks. Um, Morocco qualified through Africa, obviously, but um, they've had some pretty impressive results. So curious to see whether Germany will, you know, roll over them like kind of Japan did to Zambia or whether they will be tested like France and England and Sweden were. Brazil, Panama. Now that's 11 o'clock tonight, so I'm picking it's Perth or somewhere like that, is it? Yeah. Um, gosh, you want flamboyance, just those two names, Brazil, Panama. They'll know each other well. Um, the passion, there'll, there'll be national dress. I'm imagining there'll be, I don't know if the Vuvuzelas or horns or trumpets <laughs> or drums will be there. That's going to be a spectacle game. It will be. I'm looking forward to seeing Brazil as well. Marta obviously going into her sixth World Cup. Um, How old is she? Gosh, uh, 38 to 40, I'd say. Wow. Um, but yeah, still still super impressive and can definitely make a difference in that game. But um, yeah, no, it'll definitely be fiery and yeah, flamboyant, as you say. Which goal has stuck out in the World Cup so far for you? I was thinking about that over the weekend, um, but I still think there hasn't been like your worldy goal quite yet, I don't think. But at this stage, I would still give it to Hannah Wilkinson. I think that's been the, the goal that's made the most noise so far, just for the implications of the goal alone. And then they've probably been the biggest upset so far, actually. Did you see the Sky Tower in the weekend with Hannah Wilkinson on there and all the colours? It was just incredible. Yeah, it was amazing. They've been putting a few girls up there. Um, Grace Jolly was up the other night. Um, so I think they've been rotating them around. So it's just pretty amazing to see your, your face on Sky Tower. So... Um which is your, in this coming week, I'm just scanning, of course, New Zealand, Philippines, we'll all be in behind that, 5.30 tomorrow. We'll probably bring you in tomorrow to do a little bit of a preview of that. But just in the near future, which which games do we look at? US, Netherlands, that could be a biggie. Yeah, it's massive. That game should determine who finishes at the top of the group. Um, so, yeah, I'll be there cheering loud in my red, white and blue in Wellington. But, I, I mean, the Netherlands played last night against Portugal, 1-1-0. One, one, um, they looked good. Um, I mean, it's the rematch of the 2019 final. So, yeah, there's going to be um, a lot on the line. Atmosphere, every ground, like Australia are climbing into support as well. Like it's deafening over there. They've probably got a lot of uh, expat locals going to support their teams and they're just frothing it, aren't they? Yeah, it's been so fun to see. Um, obviously, as an American on Saturday before the game, we went to the American Outlaws pregame. Um, and yeah, America came to me, which was pretty cool. It just literally, it was all red, white, and blue. It was pretty special. It's so <laughs> cool. All right, Casey, thanks for joining us. Um, we'll get you in whenever you're able, but you are <clears throat> traveling around the countryside and going to Australia for the final? Final, yeah. Of course you are, of course you are. So Casey, <laughs> with your uh, FIFA Women's World Cup update, we'll drag her in tomorrow and we'll talk about New Zealand, Philippines, Colombia, South Korea, Switzerland, Norway. Oh, so much good football still to come. Case, thanks. Thanks, Jeff. Cheers. Uh, we'll come back after a short break. Oh, were we or not, Sam? I said we'll come back after a short break. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Ladies and gentlemen, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? You know that, um, the voice, what's making news around the world, Zoe? Nah, it's Saskia. 
Oh, is it Saskia? Yeah, we changed it. Well, she's left. Zoe, she has, Zoe's yeah. Left. I feel like it's a curse, though, so whoever we get it to... Does anyone here you want to leave? Because uh, I'll just get them to voice it. Uh, yeah, there is. Okay. Well, you just give me a name. I'll we'll get them to voice it, and away we go. Brendan English. Oh, <laughs> no, the chase. He's, he's over in chase. Bali at the he's moment, actually. Yeah, yeah, paid leave. Well, not. Well, no, it is paid leave. Annual but, leave. Uh, it's paid for by his parents. Yeah. Trip. He walks around. This is. I love Brendan. He walks around the office. He's so chuffed. He's such a nice guy. He walks around the office telling everyone about how he's got an all-expenses trip paid to Bali. He yeah. telling all-expenses trip. And I asked him, I was like, when you say all-expenses paid, what do you mean? He said, oh, mum and dad, mum and dad. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's great like that. Oh, to be 21 again. Oh, to be 21. Um, now, I didn't know this about Lotto. I don't know if this um, applies to New Zealand staff, but um, certainly in America... If you sell the winning lotto ticket as a store, you get a cut of the winnings. Does that happen in New Zealand? I think they get something little. I'm not 100% sure. I think there is well, something Well, it's else. only 0.5% for this particular right. small shop. Now, this small shop is in California. It's a mini mart. Yeah. So, you know, just a little 7-Eleven dairy, right? Navor Herrera is the name of the man who sold a pretty innocuous Powerball ticket. 0.5% of the winnings up to a maximum of $1 million. Well, he got his million dollars because the uh, winnings were $1 billion. This is America. So I remember when I was driving through, I think I've mentioned this before, when I was driving through like Massachusetts and stuff, they got a big billboard up on the motorway that says like, uh, you know, Powerball winnings and it's got the total. And it was always 300, 400 million, mm. like every week. You know, here we froth when it gets up to 20 million. They get that. They get three, four hundred million on a regular basis. Well, this one got up to one billion dollars. He gets zero point five percent of it, um, or up to a million. Well, he got, you know, he probably should have got more, but he ended up with a million. So imagine just running a local mini mart. You sell a winning lotto ticket and you pocket yourself a million bucks. It's almost like playing lotto without having to buy a ticket. You just sell it to everyone else and then you just take a cut of the winnings. He's got he's got far more tickets in the draw than exactly. Right. That's what I mean. The, by the by the numbers. But California's a big, big state as well, so, you know, chances, um, if not already absorbed, they'd be very high. So, anyway, I just wanted to bring that up to you, Navor Hadida. Congratulations to your mate. And he says he's going to split the winnings between all of his loved ones. Oh. So he's not going to spend it on himself. What a great oh. man. American TikToker uh, by the name of uh, Sassy Trucker. <laughs> That's the name of the TikTok account from Texas. Uh, is trapped in Dubai and faces two years prison after screaming at an employee of a rental company. I don't know if you know Dubai staff, but they're a little bit strict on certain laws. And one thing you do not do is shout in public. It's exactly what Sassy Trucker did. Known for having 183,000 followers on TikTok. Uh, She, like I said, faces two years imprisonment for uh, shouting in public. Wow. Because you're not allowed to cuddle in public. You're not allowed your arms in public. No, there's a lot of things. Yeah. Makes me sort of not want to go through there. Um, And finally, sticking with America and Oklahoma... Very American theme today. An Oklahoma judge uh, has been caught during the trial of a man who was accused of uh, domestic violence. Was been caught on the security footage, um, scrolling her phone and looking at gifts during the trial. So uh, you know she's supposed to be presiding over this very very important trial and deliberating on it, and instead she was uh, having a look at sport bible and everything else. Um, naughty, naughty. Did you know the people that invented GIFs? Yeah. They actually said it's pronounced GIF. GIFs. Yeah, I have heard that, but I'm not going to abide. <laughs> I'll just stick to what I know, thanks, mate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the theme of that story, staff, is that um, they're always watching. Always watching you as well. So just be careful, okay? Just be careful. Mm. Fact. Please. Mm. Do you know what 
the name of the little dots above an I and a J are called? Not an umlaut, not an ampersand, not a... No. uh, No. Uh, They are called... So people know what I'm talking about, right? Lowercase I, lowercase J, you get a little dot above that. Dot above it. It's called a tittle. (laughs) So next time you're writing out your words, just don't forget to throw in some big tittles. So the word tittle's got a tittle. Yeah. Above it the does, eye. actually, yeah. Mm. Sort of inception. Wow. Yeah, there you go. You make me think every day. That's the plan. That's the plan. Go buy yourself a lot of ticket. Yeah. You know how I've got stuff up here at the moment and they just put up ads? Yes. You should see what ad it's put up here. I'll come in and have a look. Yeah, it's horrific. Back in a moment. Through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Uh, you can be live on your favourite sports. You can download the TAB app today. And if not live, you can take a few futures as well. I've just seen the Ashes market here. Uh, England are the favourites. How about that? England 224, Australia 249. The draw is at $4. And the rugby championship odds are out now as well. Uh, Australia $4.50 underdogs against the All Blacks, who are at 120. Um, my, my, Argentina $6.50 against South Africa at $1.09. South Africa won't get up for that. They're not interested in winning the rugby championship. Once those team selections are made, particularly that game, What's the point start? Have I got time? I've got time to tell you what the point start is there. 17 and a half. Argentina, buoyed after a win against Australia. I think 17 and a half might not last, particularly with the interesting approach that um, South Africa take to their selection process in World Cup here. But tab.co.nz, that is where you get all your promotions, your markets, the whole shebang. Do it responsibly. Lewis Brown after the news. Getting you through your workday one hour at a time. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Up and about, just going two o'clock. Afternoons with Staffy here on SCNZ, and I'm so stoked that we've made this an institution on a Monday afternoon at two o'clock when we can head across the ditch to one of our favourite former Warriors Kiwis. And Mr. L Brown joins us. Uh, Lewis Louie, can you? There's been a big discussion in the office this morning. Is it Lewis? Is it Louie? Louie. Louis Staff. Um, only, only, only the old girl mum calls me Lewis, and that's when I'm in trouble, bro. So, uh, Louis nowadays. That um, now that I'm a little bit older, but um, I've actually got the old girl flying over from Christchurch tonight to come and stay in Sydney. So, no doubt there'll be a few Lewises thrown around the household this week. <laughs> that's exactly what you said, Staff. He, he said, "I bet it's his, I bet it's when he's in trouble he gets called Lewis by his mum." <laughs> 
Yeah, Lewis, Lewis, what are you doing? <laughs> or if, if, if Ivan, Ivan was like ever angry, bro, it was, um, you know, can you come into the office as well? Oh, looks like I'm playing Auckland Vulcans this week, boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. Uh, now, you said, and I quote, the boys had me out of my seat. Uh, the Warriors. I'm just going to play. I've made Sam do this little edit. I'm sure you'll enjoy it, but you probably haven't heard it. So Sammy Hewitt, my producer, he is the commentator of all the Warriors games here on ECNZ. Sit awesome. back and listen to this drop goal. Oh. Here's finding Dylan Walker. Walker then steps Look off his Johnson. left, pushes through the tackle. He's got three players on top of him. Sean Johnson marshalling the troops in front of him. Here's Fanua Blake, Here now comes. pushing towards the 20. Johnson back in the pocket. Tackle number four for the Warriors. It'll come back to Johnson. It's a slow play the ball. Now Sean Johnson. He's got a chance to win it. Sean Johnson, he's got it! Sean's got it! And the Warriors are inside the top four. They've sunk the Raiders in extra time. 21 points to 20. The crowd is on their feet. Oh, I just got goosebumps all over again, Louis. Yeah, just goosebumps, mate. And I don't know whether it was whether it was the commentary or the the, the Celine Dion in the background. <laughs> I think it was a bit of both, mate. It was a bit of both, yeah. but or, um, well, you know, you know, the cool thing about that, you know, obviously, you know, getting the win, but you know, it's it's, it's a, I think it's the third or the fourth time that um, that Sean is actually the, the prince of Mount Smart. I like, I like to, I reckon he's back being called now um he's actually put the 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 Raiders out of their misery three three or four times with one point I believe the the amazing thing to me Louis is they scored in the 78th minute the 79th minute um they had a they had a conversion to kick it all the momentum with the Raiders I'm almost happy it went to Golden Point and we picked that up that one up because we've been we've been getting out of fast starts big wins that was the vice on the plums, and we came out trumps. Yeah, I th- I th- like you're, you're totally right there, Steph. I think, you know, looking at position, um, you know, like 54% compared to 46%, um, completion rates, you know, the Raiders were completing well. And, and you know, probably for the first 20, 20 minutes, you know, 20 to 30 minutes there, we, we defended our line for like, you know, for 30 minutes. And um, for the boys to continually to keep turning up and keep turning up for each other, um, I, th- I think it was a great way to head into half time, and then we sort of come out and 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 sort of put the, the foot on the on the on the throat, and then like like any any Canberra team does, you know, they're, they're very stri- they've got a lot of striker across the field, and uh, you know Jack White scored that goal, and, and unfortunately for us, you know, like, uh, Croker missed it from the sideline, but you know, I think. I think if, if like a lot of people are like, oh, you know, the Warriors clocked off there, you know, et cetera, et cetera, but. What people don't understand is you get to twenty twenty all and and you can sort of go into your show and think, bugger, here I am, like I'm trying to protect my lead. And but the boys got together, they held their nerve. You know they were practicing in the off season, and you know the man, the man's clutch, isn't he? He, he always comes up trumps. He's got a great goal kick on him, uh, got drop kick on him, and uh, you know just a, just a great way to celebrate a, a great, you know, another Friday night win at Mount Smart. I, I don't think I've seen so many games at Mount Smart on a Friday night. I wish they had them back in there in two, from 2009 to 2012. Would have been nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if you kept watching long enough, but they put the team song up on the big screen and 19,000 people sung the team song that is usually saved for the dressing rooms. It was fantastic. Yeah, I love it. I, I've just, I just got told them, but I think you know, you you know, you look you look 
we talk about the team, but we're going to look at the club as well. I think I think you know a lot of credit's got to go to the whole club, the people behind the scenes. Um, you know, you, we've got to remember, you know, two years ago, rugby league was non-existent for two years in New Zealand, and you know the way that we've sort of come back and 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 the marketing team with the Warriors and and you know the success they've had in this year, they're really leaning into it, and and that's something that can they, they can kick on for a long time. You know, you look, you talk about the the, the Raiders, the, the Viking clap, you know, the the Sacramento Kings, they like the beam when they win. Just um, mm. small things like that, and it it keeps the crowd back. They want to be involved. They want that um, that that action, that that hospitality, that makes you feel like you're actually there, you're with it, and. And you know that's the boys would love having the you know you know I think it was twenty thousand people stuck around and it was at the game there on Friday night and you know to be able to celebrate that win a gritty win um, you know when when all the positions are against you but just so proud of the boys um, you know once again the Ford pack I, I, I thought was great they had a big task ahead of them um, you know Adam Fanel Blake stood up once again um, two hundred and five run, run meters and just the way he he gets quick play the balls uh, the ability to skip players but. You know the makeup of the middle of of you know we never him Tahu Harris and also um, Dylan Walker on the field and we when we come from a sideline we have that strike rate uh, we we have that strike coming back across the middle and it's starting to scare a lot of teams is bringing that back row in a lot tighter and we're finding some really really good holes on the edges and the way that Luke Metcalf had had a lot of speed the the work rate of chance and then the way that Sean's just sitting back conducting it and. And just the deception out of, of, of dummy half from Wei Ying, and he's really keeping the, the ruck, you know, honest, and it's allowing those those spaces on the edges to get a bit bigger. So I'm just so happy, man. Like, I'm really, really enjoying just watching my, you know, watch, watching my team go around, watching them win. Um, I think we're, we're second equal or second outright at the moment, um, you know, on, on, third. on points. And, third. Uh, oh, th- third equal. Yep. Um, we're going into the bye this weekend. Uh, mate, like, we, you know, when's the last time the Warriors sat on 30 points, you know, in July? So um, very, very happy. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm just so ha- stoked for everybody in New Zealand and all the supporters and the fans. But more importantly, just really, really happy for the boys. And, and you know, Sean Johnson, I think, um, you know, he, he's really starting to find his groove. Um, once again in the weekend, um, sat back, took his opportunities when he needed to be and didn't overplay his hand. And, you know, a lot of the boys are... Uh, looking to him, that uh, looking him to step up, but you know, there's other boys around him now that are stepping up and, and taking that, you know, the pressure off him as well. Uh, I heard Matty Johns, and while he's a funny bugger, he's a very, very good analyst of the game as mm. well. Mm. And I heard him say last week twice on two different shows that as Sean Johnson has lost his speed, he's actually become a better player, a better reader of the game. And I think that's 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 a really good point. And same with uh, Cody Walker from South. Same yep. thing. Really good game yep. managers. There's one thing you can't buy in rugby, or two things you can't buy in rugby league um, staff, and that that's um, speed and and time. And um, you know, you, you, the funny thing is, when you lose your speed, you gain time. And um, you know, Cody Walker, um, and someone that really was a, a great exponent of that back in the '90s was a guy named Jason Smith, who played Queensland, um, uh, quite big, five eight, but he just had had time, and it, and it held the defence off, and I. And I think now, like, you know, the, the other teams aren't really pressuring Sean. So he does have time. He's making better decisions. You know, he's got movement around him. and But he's still so sharp on his feet. He's still got his right foot step. Um, his kicking game's so sharp. Um, but as you, as, you, as you get older in the game, you, your experience grows, your confidence grows. But you also just know your way around the, f- the field. His footy IQ would have grown. 
and you know the last few years he's had it tough but you know he's starting to you know the the the, the fruit's starting to grow on the trees for him and he's certainly starting to pick it it's great I want to ask you about a couple of teams going in opposite directions and that's the Sharks and the Cowboys they sit Sharks 6th Cowboys 7th Cowboys are surging when they last five or six games I think it is they now uh, arrived in the eight they mm. they're not unstoppable but geez they're going to be hard to stop yeah, just straight right across the field, isn't it, Steph? You know, you drink water. Um, you know, he went into the New South Wales camp. Um, he's come back out. And, and, like, you know, someone that's gone to a camp and actually hasn't played and been an 18th or 19th man, you know, when I went to the Kiwi squad, you actually do come back with a lot of confidence. There's known that you're, you're, you're thought of in that arena. So, you know, he's someone that's really stood up. Um, you know, this week they play the Titans, which, you know, you'd think that they'd get across the line there. But we, we, we flipped, the, flipped the coin to the Sharks and... Um, you know, seeing them yesterday against against the Seagulls, Craig Fitzgibbon wouldn't have been very happy. He really, really prides himself on his defence. And, you know, they've got a big task next weekend against the Panthers, which is going to be a big ask for them. So, you know, if, if you look down past, you know, third, it's still so tight. You know, you're looking at us, the Storm, the Raiders, are all on 28 points, and then you go to the Sharks, the Cowboys on 26, the Eels, the Rabbitohs are even outside the eight, um, and then you've got, you know, teams loaded up on, on 23 points. So... You know, I, I think the Rabbitohs will come home with a little bit of a strong sale once um, the trail gets a bit more under his belt. Um, it's going to be a great final series, but um, I'm just like, I'm just so happy with the way the boys, the DNA that they're playing with, the, you know, the, the, the style of play that they're playing with, and, and they're only going to get better as the games get bigger and believe in themselves more. You know, this week they get the buyer, they get to um, work on their craft a little bit more. And, um, you know, I, I don't think I've ever seen the odds so short for a Warriors winning a title at $13 over <laughs> here in Australia. <laughs> Money hey. for jam, as James Maloney would say. Money for jam. <laughs> hey, um, Louis, something that um, we spoke about, uh, I can't remember who it was with a couple of, like a while ago, might have actually been with Campo, but um, obviously that grand final back in 2011, something that I've heard talked about is that sort of run into the finals and making sure that you time that run well because what um, the what I can't remember who it was that we had on was saying was that by the time they got to the grand final in 2011, like you were almost gassed, you know, like you had put all your eggs into getting there and by the time you got there you had sort of run out of steam and it's such a long season, we know that. So how careful do the boys have to be, you know, five pretty easy games to finish but making sure that you know, they're peaking at the right time and that is a grand final if they make it. Yeah, that, that's a great, great point you make there. You know, back in 2011, um, I believe our final series, you know, it was the old system where one used to play eight, um, two used to play seven, and it was the two lowest losers or the lower highest losers um, got eliminated. And I remember week, week one, we went up to the uh, Suncorp and we got absolutely pumped by 40 points uh, by the Broncos. And the year before, we actually had lost to the Titans, but there was a whack, it was still the same concept, but there was some wacky results. And we, we finished fifth or sixth that year and we got chucked out the back year back door the first um the first round of the finals so um that in 2011 we continued to play on um throughout um in, in sydney each week so that whole month each game was in sydney and you're right we by the time we we got to the grand final we were gassed and and you know i i probably believe you know looking back on it um our, our final that our grand final was the week before in 2011 against the melbourne storm you know um to the boys today um you know you know, they're very lucky to have someone um, like Webby um, who, who's been around the final series for the last five years. Um, and, you know, he'd, he'd have that down to a T. You know, he's been around the, the, the Penrith Panthers for, 
you know, the last two seasons when they've gone back to back. And obviously, they've, that, you know, they've peaked at the right time and, and they continue to peak at the right time through those seasons. So I'm pretty sure he'll have that well managed um, and making sure the boys got their recovery right. And, you know, just making sure that we're, we're ticking all the boxes leading into these last five games. I know, I know it's looking likely that we're going to make the finals, but we still want to... We're a team that wants to go into the finals with confidence. You know, we, we build... We, we, we hang out, you know, for once this season, we hang our hat on a defence. And I think that really, really wins games. It, it does. There's no doubt about it. You know, we've got the, the, third, the third best defensive record on the whole, the NRL. And just, you know, that, there was a 20-minute period, like I mentioned earlier, in the first half where, you know, we could have let them score and, and, and gone into half time and, 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 and be happy with that. But, you know, the boys just kept turning up for each other. The scramble's great. You know, this this the urgency to get off the line and, and, and actually complete the tackle. I think, you know, that's where we'll be able to really tighten the screws the next five weeks, and, and that's really, you know, our defence and getting, getting that down pat. Because when we come to the, the final series, um, you know, that's where the quality teams come out, you know, the experience. That's where we're probably looking a little bit weak in that area, and that's experience in terms of finals. But if you look at the the, play, the people that are, that, that are, that are um, driving, driving the unit, Webby, um, you know, you know the, the the people around him, his coaching staff, and then players like Sean, who um, you know, who who and Adam Fanua Blake, who have actually had finals. You know, Dylan Walker, who's won a grand final. You know, they'll start to lean on players like that to try and get you know the method right and make sure they're picking at the right time. Just given picking up on Sammy's point there, uh, yeah, it was Campo that said. Um and then you <clears throat> reiterated that it was the Melbourne game, and you'd cooked your you'd cooked your sauce. Uh, do you think there yep. might be a temptation, or it wouldn't be a big surprise to maybe in the next three weeks we see Adam Fanua Blake get a week off, Tohu Harris get a week off, because on the tier they're on, five more games and then three more finals. That, that's playing nine weeks in a row, eight week, eight or nine weeks in a row. Can you afford to rest the odd one now and then? Uh, I think maybe, you know, you, you don't want to get into that habit. Um, yeah, I, I just mirror what Penrith have done the last few years and, and their formula to go back-to-back. Um, you know, they, they didn't re- really risk many players leading into the final series because each game sort of counts as another game to get your combinations better. Um, you know, say, say for instance, we're heading into, you know, the one or two rounds to go and, and, and some of the, you know, the, the key boys are um, carrying a few nibbles. There might be an opportunity for them to have a little rest and, and, and sort of, you know, test our depth because at the same time, you know, injuries do occur and, 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 and the final series can be a long one, especially if we finish in the top four, we do get a life or, you know, we do go on to the, the final week of, of, of the finals. You know, you're, you're still going to, you're going to need that, you know, that 20, that 22 man squad, um, making sure they got the right attitudes too. And then making sure that they stay ready, that they're not having to prepare, they're staying ready. And when their name gets called, they're ready to go, and um, you know I think I think you know Webby Webby like I said before he's been around it for you know probably the last five years. Um, I'm sure they'll start thinking about that. They have it mapped out. Um, but uh, knowing those boys, they'll they'll want to play if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the hardest thing as a player knowing knowing when to to push the button or when to pull back. Uh, but knowing Adam, um, you know he's 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 he's, he's my um prop of the year, and mm-hmm. um, I think you know he's. He, he intimidates a lot of forward packs. Um, and, you know, I feel like he has a lot of them beat before he even gets on the field. Just the way he plays, um, big body, can can beat players, great footwork. 
but, you know, I, I believe that those boys will want to play and, and keep the combinations fresh. Yeah, I guess the buys come at the perfect time, just thinking about exactly. the, the last yep. question. We get, we get so yep. they have two weeks without a game, basically. So last yep. Friday till the next one next weekend. And I would imagine whether you come in and go, right, we're pushing the go button. We've got five games, then the playoffs, foot down. Yeah, yeah, foot down up to up to Sean's batch up in Mangawai, All the boys are, are probably <laughs> or get or, or hiring out Butcher's bloody Waiheke Island house. Have them over there for the weekend. Um, but yeah, you're right, Steph. I think the buy has come at a great time. Uh, regather, get away from footy for a bit. Um, work on your combinations again. Come back and fresh. And then you know the, the way that we used to kind of have the season was it was done up in blocks. So you know, you you know, after this buy, they'll be looking at their next block, which would be take them from now to is it round twenty six, round twenty five? I'm, um, I've been I'm made out of the game that long that uh, I think it was even twenty seven rounds these days. I'm not too sure, but you know, and then the then the the next block after that will be into the final. So I think the buyers come at a great time, and and you know, to get that win in the weekend, even though we we got a golden point, it's a four point game for us, and it was a very very important game, and it's um you know led into that games you got to win. And um, you know, there's a few teams that will be looking over their shoulder, you know, uh, wondering, you know, um, that you know, in the finals, who's who's going to who's going to strike the Warriors? And uh, I'm 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 pumped for them. I hope they get a home final at some stage. I think, um, you know, Karma Karma on its side, um, you know, the, the fans deserve it. You know, there hasn't been any NRL finals footy back in Auckland since um, I can't even remember. So um, you know, imagine the atmosphere back then and. And having that team song playing playing after the game as well would be oh, great. Geez, be awesome, Louis. That's awesome. I might, even have to, I might even have to get you boys to get me on a plane back for it. Who you, knows? You have to, have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come and host the show hey, today, hey, Louis. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll love to. Would love to, boys. Would we'll, love to. We'll fly over, mate, and you just dress up, uh, dress us in the Eels collection, and oh, away we go. Gotcha. <laughs> got you sorted. That's a deal. We'll handshake on it now. <laughs> Let's go, Louis Brown. Every Monday. Thanks, buddy. Hey, cheers, boys. Have a great one, eh? Thanks, mate. There is Louis Brown. Great man. Talking uh, the way you can just hear the passion for him. I'm just looking at that last round. The last round, Robin, Sam. Yep. Bronco, Bronco Storm. Yep. Awesome. Mm. Tiger Seagulls won't matter. Roosters, Rabbitohs might matter. Yeah, the, the the good thing for us in the last five rounds is that all those teams in the top eight actually play each other. Well, most of them do. So they all take points off each other, whereas we're well, playing all the teams outside. Panthers-Cowboys is the last round. Now, the Panthers. Cowboys currently seventh, but they could well be going oh, be for by a, then. They'll be going for a top four. That mm-hmm. could be a top four settler for them. The Knights who are returning to form as well, Sam, they're up to 10th. Uh, Titans-Bulldogs won't matter. And Raiders-Sharks that could potentially be playing for a top eight spot. I think Sharks are gone, eh? I do too. I think they're gone. I think they've done their they've done their dash. Yeah, I think we're gone too. You see Nico blowing up at the referee. Was he? Yeah. Forward pass that was called back. A lot of few, oh, not a lot, but a few decisions taken away from them during the game, and he just fired up at the ref. The ref pulled him over and said, you do not talk to me or any of my team like that, okay? <laughs> you will be off this field. And Nico, it was interesting exchange, and now people saying, oh, how come he doesn't get three weeks like Reese Walsh? Well, he didn't, you know, swear at the referee directly and say other things. But it's probably the first time he's spoken back to a ref. Anyway, True. we'll take a very quick break. We'll come back. Uh, I want to get to some of your really cool text messages after this. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Text from Richard St. Kilda Stevie as promised. Ashburton Celtic did win both finals 
on Saturday, large Tuesday celebrations. Uh, from Sean, having the crowd singing the team song after the final whistle on Friday was electric. Well done, Ashburton, by the way. Uh, was electric. Nothing like I've ever experienced in New Zealand. Great call. Keep it up. Uh, it's fair to say the Aussies get a bit salty when it comes to cricket. <laughs> Uh, one big thing I took from the Cam George interview is that Tamari Martin was the only player that Webster bought into the club, potentially a sign of who will play six heading towards the finals. I think Webster will take his experience over Metcalf's X-Factor. Staff, absolutely hats off to Cam George. Give him his due. He has always fronted and been about the fans. Boy, couldn't the NZR learn a lot from the Warriors? Geez, never thought I'd say that or see it in a sentence. But my bloody, but something they could. New Zealand rugby is only worried about ticking boxes these days. They have totally forgotten about creating um, and haven't worried about sustaining a solid base. And fans are constantly being let down. Cam keeps reinforcing it's about the fans. For rugby, the fans have been telling New Zealand rugby for years that super rugby is a dead duck or a dying duck. And we want tribalism back. We want the real battle of the bridge, the real battle of the Bombays, not manufactured ones that they tell us we have to care about. We care about Wairapa Bush. We care about our clubs. And it's so long I now have to scroll down. We care about our clubs. They are part of us and part of our history. New Zealand rugby need to to walk around Mount Smart admin offices. Huge text, and I love it. Uh, The Warriors would be nothing without the backing of one slash Vodafone, unless a second franchise can find a sponsor with the same bucks and backing, it will always struggle in New Zealand. We're too small a pond. Uh, That's from Pete. Pete, um, they have sold all of their corporate boxes for the rest of the season, the Warriors, and as Cam said in our chat, he's fielding phone calls from corporates who want to get involved. They want to get involved. I feel Cam George could teach New Zealand rugby a few things around promotion, fan base engagement and strengthening pathways. Look at what the Warriors have done with nowhere near the budget and infrastructure um, I love the Warriors up the was that's from JJ and the reason the North Stand might go that temporary seating might go is he says it loses a bit of the family vibe what, what's that area called it's the North Stand the I don't know D zone the D zone but also it actually spreads the crowd out a bit more staff like there were 19 nearly 20,000 on um, Friday didn't look as full because you had a scattering of people in the in that North Stand so I actually like it when it's more full condensed hey um, just, just quickly because I know we're going to get to news um, for people that don't know that team song that gets played in the sheds the board Boys all bang their drums and sing along after every win. They got Savage to record a thing in studio with a bunch of kids. They played it out in the whole stadium, sort of echoed it. So if you haven't heard it before, this and the words were on the big. The screen, words were on so the big screen. So this is actually what was. This was from on the field. This is what they heard. hear Dallin on the drum in the dressing room and they've brought it out to the fans. Had the drums, people were jumping on the stadium, like being there, it was just incredible. And I agree with that text. I've I've not seen anything like that in New Zealand before. Like after a team wins and it does feel almost like cultish stuff. Like the the fan base of the Warriors this year is just so rabidly into the team. Invested. It is. It's just oh just it's twenty bucks to go. It blows other sports out of the park. It really does. And that's not poo pooing other sports. 
but <laughs> no, no, I see what you mean. But yeah, it's it's more praising what the Warriors are doing. Mm. Yeah, Steph, great weekend of sport. The Warriors have the easiest draw into the finals after Friday night. I'm glad I backed them to win the NRL a month or so ago. Sammy is the best NRL caller by a long shot. Total emotion and observation. The South African guy who was leading the Open after round one came last of those who made the cut. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Our Romanian gave us a good run for our money. Took him top 30 and he came 33rd. Dave, yes. Um, oh, Romain, not Romanian. Yeah, Romain, the Frenchman. Uh, we have to get away to news. We'll come back shortly. What a day it's been, Sammy. What a day. Cam George in for the first hour, if you missed that, CEO of the One New Zealand Warriors joined us. Um, talked a lot of stuff, actually. And we are wishing them all the best as they push on towards the final. So we're doing a um, revisit here, Sam. You may have forgotten. You forgot, eh? Fully forgot. Um, I almost don't want to revisit it, though, Steph, to be totally honest with you. Um, Look, you have to stand up to your wins and losses. Well, there's a lot of losses, Steph. There's we're a lot of losses. We're 2018 this year. Um, I'll start with a positive, shall I? Show me the money, by the way, people. Four-leg multi, place it on Thursday. Uh, you, me, Brendan English, I think. And our listener. Uh, From Danny Hook. Was our listener the one who picked Stephen Crichton any time try score against the me. dogs? Was it? Oh. Back against the grain comes Crichton. He'll be a bulldog next year. He's a panther today. And he scores his first try for the afternoon. I've gone eight weeks in a row. No, you haven't. Making a pick. What do you mean making a pick? I've made a pick eight weeks in a oh, row. Oh, you have, yeah. I haven't all come in. <laughs> I do have the best strike rate, though. Well, I could go back through the numbers. Do. If you want me to. Do. Okay. Uh, do you seriously want me to? Yep. Okay. Um, no, I went Xavier Coates, and uh, this actually was in a number of multis that I took over the weekend. He was my anchor in pretty much all of them because I thought Storm v Knights, they'll do a little bit of a number on them. And the speed of Meany has first points here for Melbourne. Liero now crashing at the line. He scores. Tipped on by Gagai. Dominic Young. He'll win the race for the corner. Now Hastings. Best on the charge. You can't stop him. Tony to go straight. Best puts his hand up. He gives it to Maju. A juggle that he regathered and planted it down. Newcastle have the lead. Hastings throws a dummy. Ponga beats Warbrick. Stays alive. Fitzgibbon. Fitzgibbon scores. Crossland, he grabbers, Croker, he got there, gives it to Wallen, he steps into space, and Melbourne have hit back. The drought is over, and the Knights, for the first time in 12 games, have taken down the Melbourne Storm. Everyone but. I, I don't know if you listen to that, staff, but uh, Xavier Coates' name not mentioned once, so fantastic. I think I had Bradman best last week as well. Did you? Yeah. Um, yeah, look. Yeah, cheers. And uh, Alex Morgan to score three goals against Vietnam. I think this must have been our listeners. Uh, to, it was. Yeah, it did not come in. And uh, Brendan was uh, Adam Scott to make the top 30. Yeah. And what did he come? 33rd. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> rough on the fall. I thought he had completely he tied, he tied with our Frenchman, Romain Lajeskade. Uh Where did um, Foxy finish? Yep. Uh, down around 40-something. Okay. He finished amongst all players in the world that played all the majors, uh, made the cut in all the majors, he finished ninth. 
when you accumulate all of these. Well, scores. yeah, there's a graphic that came out from the PGA of all the players that have made the cut over the four majors this year, and he's one of like. I don't know, 12 or something that have made it. And he's up there with I think he's one of, and, one of 15. Is it 15? But he came about ninth in score. But he's so, up there with Scheffler and, and Kepka and all these guys who won and Ram, you know, it's Foxy's, yeah. He may not be winning them, but he's doing a fantastic job. He's getting something squirreled away into his post office savings bank. Don't you worry about that. All right, very soon, you don't want to miss this. Uh, we've got a couple of uh, clips. The Australian version of Sean Johnson's drop goal. And the New Zealand version of Sean Johnson's drop goal. That and more with Jimmy Smith across the ditch. You don't want to miss it. We're about to head across the ditch, but a little secret. If Jimmy Smith says it's because Sam's too parochial, we've got a clip of him calling Jack Whiten's try. We'll only use it if we need it, okay? If you call Sam parochial. So I've let you in on a thing. So we're going across the ditch. To Jimmy Smith, very sure. And he's there, Jimmy. Hey, Steffi. So good. So How are good. You, buddy? Oh, we are fizzing over here. Did yeah. you see the drop goal? <laughs> Did I see it? Did you see the, the field drop, goal? Oh, you I, I were commentating. Was, I thought it was the drop goal heard across the Tasman. That's what it was. It straddled the Tasman. Yes, it did. Straddled. Good word. Now, I have uh, tasked uh, Coach K to get the audio of you calling the drop goal because you were calling it for the Australian audience. Of course, Sammy was calling it for the New Zealand audience. Has he got that audio there? Oh, listen, if you ask us to do something, we jump to it straight away. Please, you say she, jump, we say the, how high. Share with the New Zealanders one of the most exciting finishes in NRL history. Okay. Do you want Sammy's first? No, I want yours. Okay, mine's a little longer. Okay. I was I was rudely interrupted by Clive Churchill medalist Brett Kamali during the course of it, but here we go. Johnson's back in position. Egan finds him. Got time. Hits it. He's got hits it. it. Oh, there hits it. it. Hits it. Hits it and gets it. You watch the player as soon as they kick it. The hand went straight in the air. Well, the Warriors' greatest player has come up with their greatest play tonight. They win in Golden Point. On the back of a Sean Johnson field goal. Nice. Was he the war? Is he the war? I might have got a little ahead of myself. Is he the Warriors' greatest player? Because we had which vintage SJ? Sean Johnson with the little one-two step off the left foot. It's vintage SJ. Mm. Or is Stacey Jones the vintage SJ? Oh, big question. Big question. But just for parity, just because mm-hmm. you've played the New Zealand audience, the Australian commentary, we just thought we'd play the Australian audience, the New Zealand commentary. Go for it. Finding Dylan Walker. Walker then steps Look off his Johnson. left, pushes through the tackle. He's got three players on top of him. Sean Johnson marshalling the troops in front of him. Here's Fanua Blake. Here now comes. pushing towards the 20. Johnson back in the pocket. Tackle number four for the Warriors. It'll come back to Johnson. It's a slow play the ball. Now Sean Johnson. He's got a chance to win it. Sean Johnson. He's got it. Sean's got it. And the Warriors <laughs> are inside the top four. They've sucked the Raiders an extra time. 21 points yeah, the to 20. The crowd is on their feet. How's that? <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. I tell you what, was Kempi dancing to that Celine Dion song like he was to a bit of the warm-up music? I saw that. That had to be discussed. Yeah, look, Kemp, he's, he's an interesting human. He, he, I, It's like, I don't know, we post clips of the boys in the commentary box and Sam's the colour of a beetroot and he's jumping up and down and he's all... And Kempi just sits there dead 
ice cool. Like, what excites the big man? What what does excite the big man? Well, I think the the, the problem in Kempi's defence here. The problem is that Kempi has. Uh, I don't know if you've heard the term, uh, Jimmy, uh, a resting bitch face. Um, but um, it, it's essentially when you don't know someone's looking at you and your natural face is just very angry and disinterested. Kempi just forgets that there's a GoPro recording him, and so he's sitting there, but, you know, and he's got this face on, and then he realises that, oh, actually, we're on camera, and I need to say something. Uh, it's just unfortunate that a lot of the time the highlights get cut before that he come, before he comes in, so everyone sits there going, he just looks like a miserable bugger. Sorry, so what was that term that I hadn't heard before? Resting bitch face. Haven't you heard of RBF? Right. No, I haven't heard yeah. of RBF. I'd, s- I'd say... So people that just sit there, their resting face look like they're scowling or frowning. Uh, Sir Graham Henry, uh, the wonderful All Blacks coach, he's got one and acknowledges it, and he's got a downward smile, like he smiles, but his mouth goes down. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. yes. Hey, do you think Brendan McCullum has the RBF on at the moment? Potentially. Oh, I think so. Potential. Oh, baseball. How's baseball going for you when it rains for two days? Yeah, it doesn't work in when it rains for two days. Um, we actually had uh, Theo Doropoulos from Channel 7 on our show oh, yes. today. Yes. Um, he, he just was just so delighted and delighting in the English media going, not fair. And I side with Theo this. Rain's been part of Test cricket as long as Correct. Test cricket's been around. Correct. Yeah, you can't take, hey, it, can't take but, it away. But Jimmy, you know, try and uh, take off the uh, the Australian glasses here. Yep. Could you admit, though, that Bearsball did work against Australia? Comprehensively outplayed in this test match. I think what will happen, revisionist history, you go back and look at this Ashes series, notwithstanding we don't know what's going to happen in the fifth test, I, I think you could make really strong cases around key decision-making of the England team that in the end cost them the test match, uh, the series. And then uh, digging a bit deeper than that, the non-selection of a... Uh, um, dedicated wicketkeeper mm. might be the other part that, mm. that they look at and go, hmm, we did that wrong. Mm. If you never say another word to me, Jimmy Smith, I will for always remember you for revisionist history. Yeah. That is a phrase. Well, there's a podcast that I listen to by Malcolm Gladwell, who's the New York Times bestselling author and the author of 10,000 Hours and um, a couple of other books that have been uh, absolutely amazing. He's got a podcast called Revisionist History. Mm. Now, I think I know you okay, Staffy. Yeah. I think you would absolutely love it. There's about eight series. The one on Elvis Presley's paraplexus and the issue that he had there around his relationship with his mother and why he kept uh, forgetting the words to, are you lonesome tonight, is absolutely fascinating. However... My favourite is the time Wilt Chamberlain scored 100 points in an NBA game. Guess what he did in that game that he never, ever did for the rest of his life in the NBA? Ooh, I have no idea. He shot free throws underarm. Oh. Granny style, as they call it, because his great teammate, Rick Barry, and if you don't know who Rick Barry is, look up Rick Barry. He has got, for people over 300 shots or something, has the best percentage of free throws in the history of the NBA and he did them all underarm. Wow. It, it's it's facet. Wilt Chamberlain so forever used to get fouled at the back end of games because they went well he's a less than 50% chance of actually hitting these. Mm. And so he became a, a, a non-factor a lot of times you know. The great player didn't have the re- winning record of, of someone like a Bill Russell. In one game he did the underarm 
He scored 100 points. It's never been done before. It'll never be done since. And yet he didn't do it again because of the criticism he copped in the manner in which he did it, which was completely legal. Wow. And guess what? There's only been two other people in the history of the NBA that have been shooting uh, free throws underarm. One of them was from Nigeria, so had no connection culturally to the USA. The other one? Rick Barry's son. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Podcast fun fact. The number one podcast in the world is what, Jimmy? Uh, Podcast. Number one podcast in the world. Afternoons on SEN. No, Joe Joe Rogan. Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah, Joe Rogan. The number two podcast in the world is made in Australia. What is it? Case File. Oh, right. I've listened. There's about 380 episodes. I've listened to them all. He's... He's a freak. He's it's true crime. He started fifteen minute podcasts on his laptop in his bedroom. He's now got a staff of about eight. Second biggest podcast in the world produced out of Australia. There you go. Case files. Case case file. Case file. Okay. He's I'll brilliant. Check it out. He's brilliant. Case file. I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up right now. Mm. Anyway, apparently there's sport going on. So yes. there we go. There we go. <laughs> Good on you, Jimmy. <laughs> Great to chat, lads. Well done. Play that music again. That that, that was Celine Dion. That was brilliant. Yeah, yeah uh Sammy and the there, Sammy, and the team. We haven't got the well, we haven't got the music. Um, we have got to get out of here and have a look back in the day in a moment. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Here's what happened back in the day. Yes, July the twenty fourth, nineteen fifty two. Emil Zatopek won gold medal in the 5,000 metres and later in the day his wife Dana she triumphed in the javelin that's a 1-2 no it's a 1-1 for the Zatapex in 2005 on this day Lance Armstrong got his 7th consecutive Tour de France he later re- uh, retired from the sport he was 33 years old he was a cancer survivor and he finished 4.5 seconds ahead of Ivan uh, Ivan Ivan that's what I'm trying to say Basso birthdays today Carl Malone the postman he turns 60 now Stockton with the ball with 10 seconds. Stockton with 9, with 8. Stockton dribbling. Stockton down the middle. Going to try to get a foul. Over to Malone. 20-foot jumper. Good! Two seconds. I said postman, I think he's the mailman actually Barry Bonds turns 59 today uh, Martin Keown, uh, England football defender turns 57 and Opie Bosson turns 43 today On this day in 99, the number one movie was Inspector Gadget and the number one song was by Will Smith Big thank you to Sammy Hewitt organising uh, Cam George to come in. If you missed that, get onto our podcasts. The run home is next. Brad and Beef.